This time of year, it seems like just about everything is happening. I think especially for us here, after a long winter's nap, we're all eager to get out and to do things. And so lots of events and lots of uh, fun things are planned. And the same is true with church. Uh, we, we have this, our long season of Lent and then the joyous season of Easter. But May is a very special month because, uh, especially this year, the way Easter falls, um, we have in this week... Uh, both, well, the past week now, today is the first day of the week. In the past week, the Feast of the Ascension, which is one of the crowning moments of, of the Easter season, although the Easter season isn't completely over yet. Uh, we have uh, also Mother's Day, a very beloved uh, secular holiday, but uh, beloved nonetheless. And also uh, in this month of May, uh, we tend to give uh, honor to our patron, St. Mary. So lots of things going on, lots of ideas jostling around theologically and liturgically at this time of year. The most uh, obvious thing, though, right now is the ascension. You will notice the absence behind me of the very large uh, Paschal candle that we had this year. Um, The stand has been retired back to its uh, spot in the back of the church. And the candle burned pretty much continuously uh, for the whole season of Easter up until the day of Ascension when it was extinguished. And now there is, of course, there's always controversy in the church, but there is, of course, controversy spinning around uh, the the priesty part of Facebook, which it's it's a two-edged sword. I wouldn't wade into that if I were you too much. But uh, the priests on Facebook uh, all have very strong opinions about things. Uh, myself included. Um, but there's uh, two ways to look at the Paschal candle. Um, the more contemporary way to look at it is as a symbol simply of resurrection. And so it, is, it appears and reappears at different times of the, of the year. The more traditional way to look at it, which you will probably be shocked to learn that that's how I look at it, is that the Paschal candle represents the physical presence of the resurrected Christ on earth. And so once he ascends into heaven, the candle disappears and is not, doesn't, isn't seen again in church until the next season of Easter. I think uh, that symbolically that's a very powerful, uh, powerful message, that, that thing, this enormous, beautiful thing that we, we see all of a sudden is with us for a while, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. Representing that, the, the, probably the same sorts of feelings that the disciples had when Jesus was raised from the dead, and initially they couldn't believe it. They thought surely someone was trying to trick them, or someone had stolen the body, but Jesus appeared to them over and over again throughout the 40 days. And then on the day of the ascension, they were all gathered on the mountain and Jesus appeared to them one last time. And then, uh, unlike the other appearances of Jesus, where he simply disappeared, in this instance, he ascends bodily into heaven. And these days, with our knowledge of the cosmos and the solar system and all that, you know, the earth is round, up is relative, up for us here in New York is not up in uh, Australia because we're on a, living on a ball together. But nevertheless, 
just like the symbolism of that candle, the symbolism of up really matters. Because when you think about God, when you think about heaven, at least I sort of instinctually lift up my eyes. We say this every time uh, between the priest and the people, every time we celebrate the Eucharist together, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. So up really matters. And so Jesus ascends up into heaven where we believe he lives bodily with the Father and the Holy Spirit to this day. And Jesus took with him our humanity. Jesus consecrated our humanity by coming to earth but also by taking it to heaven. Jesus took on human flesh through the cooperation of the Holy Ghost and the Virgin Mary, whom we also give honor to this month. And we think about her life of sacrifice and her example of humility and love. She is the mother of all Christians, the mother of our Lord, And if you think about it, I was talking a few weeks ago about the adoption that we receive through Christ's death and resurrection, adoption as his brothers and sisters. Well, then that if we're his brothers and sisters and God is our father, then guess who is our heavenly mother? She willingly took on the task, the challenge that God gave her to bear his son, knowing that the road wouldn't be easy, not having all the answers, like any mother who's newly expecting, probably full of questions and maybe some fears and trepidations. And she raises the child the best way she can. And isn't it interesting that his first miracle at the wedding of Cana was done at her behest. When the wine ran out at the reception, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. But she just said to the steward, do what my son says. You know, it doesn't, there's no more text in there, but you can sort of read between the lines at what this mother, maybe glancing or saying something to her son, is like, come on, you just, just do it, Jesus. Do it for me. And so she is the, the launch pad for his, his ministry of miracles and teaching and preaching, um, supporting him constantly. And when he is at the cross dying... She and his beloved disciple John are the last two to stand by his side. And he tells John at the time of his death, Behold your mother. He tells her, Behold your son. And John takes care of her for the rest of her life. And so today, in the secular world as well, we give thanks for our own earthly mothers. Mothers are a gift. It's not always, it doesn't always seem that way when you're growing up. But generally speaking, when you, as you grow older, you become closer and closer to your mother. I know that my mother and I have a, a very special relationship, and uh, like everybody else, and we've gone through times uh, where it wasn't so great, but um, it's gotten stronger and stronger throughout the years. And um, I love her, and she loves me very much. And so when I look at the example of Uh, the motherhood of Mary and how she loved and nurtured and protected her son, I can see that example in so many mothers throughout the world who make so many sacrifices in their own lives and give up their own comforts and their own wills in order that their child or children might be protected and nourished and sheltered 
from the storms of the world. But also there comes that time when they must be released uh, out of the nest into that stormy world. And mom is always there to come back to. Mom is always there to uh, hold your hand and see you through it. Now, a lot of us have lost our mothers. Our mothers have gone on to their greater reward in heaven. But nevertheless, we can feel their presence with us. One of my closest friends growing up was actually my, uh, my grandmother, my mother's mother. And she lived uh, two houses behind us, so I could cut through the neighbor's yard and always walk over to grandma's house and expect to have some kind of adventure, you know. With, uh, she, she's the one who taught me to love to garden, and she taught me the basics of, of cooking, and there was just always some fun adventure to be had at grandma's house, you know, either rifling through the basement looking for odds, you know, little treasures and things, or going out and doing some little fun trip together. And so when she was gone, I felt that very sharply uh, in my heart, and I'm sure for those of you who've lost mothers and grandmothers, you've felt that similar, similar loss. But nevertheless, I can always feel her presence, and there are always these little things around me that, that remind me of her. And when, when I feel bad or depressed or uh, like uh, I'm up against some challenge, a lot of times one of these little reminders will pop up, and I'll be reminded of, of her presence. Because, you know, as Christians, we believe that when our loved ones die, life is changed, not ended. They go on to something greater, and they continue to love us, and they continue to pray for us and watch out for us, and we continue to pray for them as they grow in their life in Christ. And so, Jesus, our brother, Mary, our mother, our own mothers, grandmothers, have gone, many of them, have gone to a new place, a new place that we all strive to follow to, to be in one day. And we, we know that, uh, that Jesus, when he was uh, about to ascend, was praying to the Father, Father, protect them. They are in the world. I am no longer in the world. And so even from the mouth of Jesus, these words of prayer and protection for those whom he, has, whom he will leave behind. And so we can take comfort in knowing that our Lord our lady, our beloved mothers, grandmothers, and all those who we love and see no more are praying for us and watching out for us. And the ascension of Jesus really does matter because in ascending up into heaven in his body, as I said, he took our humanity to heaven. And so we have this wonderful, wonderful web or ring of, of or cycle of life that we go through with our Lord and our Savior and our faith in which we are born into this world, incarnate just like he was, and live and die and then go on to rise to new life. So let us give thanks this day for the ascension of our Lord, for the loving communion of saints by which we are all surrounded, and for our wonderful mothers, be they with us here in this plain or be they in heaven with our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.